you love us indeed, and we thank you so much for that. We pray today that this service would be bathed in your love. And I pray in Jesus that you wouldn't just give us good news. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. Well, welcome. Some of you may notice if you're close enough, I have a black eye today. Um, and everybody always asks, um, how's the other guy doing? And, and why does everybody else care about how the other pastor's doing? Okay, he's fine. Okay, he's fine. No, I, uh, my hobby of choice that I do a couple times a week is jujitsu, And so every once in a while, I'll show up with some strange marks. And that's just kind of how it goes. But, uh, but can we focus? I mean, right? I'm a little concussed, but we're going to get through it. It's okay. Um, 2020, we're going to talk to this today about where we're going, what 2020 has for us as a people and, and as a church. But, but before we can just start looking ahead, I want to look at where we've been. Because we had a big 2019. You know, t- 2019 in, in June, I became lead pastor when the elders invited me. And the, the first thing that God asked me to bring to the orchard was clarity. That was the word he gave me, bring clarity. Clarity about who we are and, and who we're going to be and, and what God is calling us to. Which is why in June we started that, that series on Nehemiah. Do you guys remember the rocks that were all over the stage and we're wondering what's going on? It was about becoming a people of vision. To buy into what God would call us to and, and dedicate ourselves to it. Continuing in the, our dedication to clarity, we, we wanted to make sure that we knew that Jesus Christ was the head of this church. And so we had that 30-foot cross right up here on stage. Remember that? Declaring that that here at the orchard and in our lives, Jesus and the work he has done is the main thing. Then we had our November series on the parables, prodigal son, the older son, and good Samaritan. And we found new insights and clarity on familiar stories. And then on Christmas, we focused on the light of Jesus, that the light had come. But more than that, we learned that, that Jesus told us that you are the light of the world. We are the light of the world to go forth. And God didn't call us to go out and argue what's right. He, he told us to go out and shine bright. And then Christmas Eve, we had a chance to give a clear invitation to 1,500 people. And they all came when they heard the story of the light of Christ. And we pray that many of those people return here throughout this year and, and to find out what we're about. But clarity was, was so much of what we needed from June to December. And another word that I was working on privately in my own heart was this word launch. That you and I, that we would launch this new season of ministry together. When when I took over lead pastor, that we would launch together to see what God would have for us. And oftentimes when when a new boss or a pastor comes into a situation, they change some things. They change the name or the times or they bring in a new staff. I mean, maybe you've been a part of a transition and and your boss made some changes to let you know it's not business as usual. And, And God was very clear. He said, Daniel, the only thing I want you to change the only thing I want you to launch is a prayer time. And so we launched a prayer time every Wednesday at noon. I mean, it's shocking changes, I know. But we, this prayer time was open to all, and all we're going to be about is asking God to move in revival in this church, to spiritually awaken us. Because prayer is important. The Bible is, is clear about prayer. So much about prayer. I'm going to read a few verses that we can soak in for a moment as we remember why prayer is such a big deal. And, and prayer is something we're going to focus on throughout this year. Listen to 2 Chronicles 7. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their sin, then I will hear from heaven and forgive their sin and heal their land. My eyes will be open, my ears attentive to the prayers offered in this place. And that was our desire. We would come together in unified prayer. Also, Jesus said this in Mark 11. Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, 
believe that you will receive it, and it will be yours. Now that, that is a loaded verse right there that we can unpack for months. Colossians 4.2, it says, devote yourself to prayer. Because, James says, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. And, and we don't pray because it's a good thing to do. We pray because it's the only thing to do if we want to see God bring the spiritual awakening to this region and this church that we're hoping. Prayer isn't good because it's a churchy thing. You see, prayer is vital. We may, be know, what we're, we may know what we're called to. We may have an inkling about God is calling us to be in a kind of church, but we cannot and we will not accomplish our calling unless we have the power of God and the presence of God. And therefore, we pray. We must pray. You see, I've studied revivals that have happened down through history. And a revival is a word that simply means a spiritual movement and awakening of God that is bigger than any one person or people. That amazing things happen, and only God can get the credit. And as I studied these revivals and spiritual awakenings, there was one thing they had in common, and that was unified prayer of the people. Where there was no prayer for revival by the people, there was no revival in and through the people. Spiritual awakening extends to all communities around it. Spiritual awakening is, is something that is amazing to, to behold, and, and we can't force it. And the same thing is true about revival that's true about many things in our life and many decisions you're going to face. We can't pry it open, but we can pray that God would open it. So we pray for revival. And every Wednesday, whoever shows up, we meet at noon, and we put on some worship music. We pray over these chairs. We pray over you that while you're sitting here on Sunday, God would move in your heart. And we have people who show up who don't really know how to pray. But in the process of coming, they are learning how to. We have people who show up on Wednesdays that don't know if they believe in Jesus yet, but they are seeking and they're finding. You see, on Wednesdays, we pray for God to move in the orchard. And I tell, I tell the people gathered, God's going to change us, the prayer people, first. He's going to teach us what it means to be people of prayer. And at the end of each Wednesday, we finish that hour with an opportunity for anyone who has a need to come forward. And we will pray that God would heal or move or bless. And it's my favorite hour of the week. And in fact, if you have a, a need this year that you need God to move in your life, a healing, something that, that you, you would say, I want some prayer on this, show up Wednesdays at noon and you have an immediate place to come and have people who are seeking God on your behalf pray that God would move. If you're one of those people who wants to see revival in our church, in our region, come Wednesdays at noon. If you want to learn how to pray, come Wednesdays. You don't have to pray aloud. You don't have to pray loud or out loud. You can, you can come and engage as you desire. And God has said to me this. He said, Daniel, I will show up with the same intensity on Sunday that you show up on Wednesday. And so I pray that God would move in our behalf and move. I don't take Wednesday lightly. And I hope you've heard me say this enough by now that you believe me. That as your pastor... I desire God to do something in our midst and in our church that is so big. That there's no sermon I could preach and there's no song that Micah could sing that could get us there. In fact, what our area doesn't need is more moving sermons. What our area needs is a movement of God's spirit. And so we pray. And that's why in 2020, I'm hoping that more of us become people of prayer. And I invite you to come on Wednesdays for that one hour of prayer. 
and, and, and find how to make it work on your weekly rhythm. We have some people who set an alarm because they're somewhere else in the valley. They can't make it. But at Wednesdays at noon, they pray for revival. We have prayed for God to move on Sundays, and he has. He's moved in our midst. We've prayed on Wednesdays that God would speak to people and call them to come to the orchard on Sunday, and they don't even plan on it. And then we hear stories. We hear testimonies. There's, there's one of our new friends who said that they were in a moment, they didn't believe in Jesus, and they were in a moment of weakness, and they just cried out to God, God, help me. And they heard in their heart, orchard. They had no idea what it was. They thought it was a restaurant. They looked it up. They saw it was a church. They came on Sunday. God moved, and that Sunday they received Jesus as their Savior. God is pursuing people. God is calling people. You'll notice on Sundays that I've started to give a prayer for salvation at the end of many of our, our times here, and that's intentional. I've come to see that I do not determine when God is going to move in someone's heart and when he's going to call someone to salvation. And people are telling me, well, you always preach about salvation because I end there, but, but actually I could be preaching about relationships or any topic, but, but if led to, we will end with, this, with an opportunity of salvation and, and what do you do here? I want, I want to give you some insight. What do we do here on Sundays if you're already a follower of Jesus and you hear me kind of moving toward this salvation prayer? Then immediately this year you know what to do. You begin to pray too. You pray that the Spirit of God would move in this place. And then when we go to the prayer, you pray along with it and you recommit and you renew your faith and your affirmation because Jesus is your, is your Savior. But God has moved in this place. And, and we pray with all, the, all this passion because we believe God is calling us to something big. And, and here's the reason. And I just want to be honest once again. Um, I, I, didn't, I didn't take this job. And I don't want this job if it's just going to be about us doing church and having Sunday services. I don't know if the world needs good churchy services. Man, what we desire most is for God to do something in our midst that we can't explain. And for God to do something so great in us and through us that, that, that no preacher, no church, and no person can take credit. We desire to be a part of a church that, that moves in such a way that it transforms a community. See, I, I believe that God wants to move in a way that impacts cities, area codes, regions, and beyond. That God would ignite a spiritual, awaken, a spiritual awakening in such a way that we would see tangible Results that we would see lives and, and communities changed. I mean, this has happened in history. We have seen this happen. But what if it happened here that the God moved in such a way in our church that the crime rate lowered in our area? Well, what if God moved in such a way that the, there, there were children who weren't insecure about being resourced for lunches at school or the backpack or the clothes they get? Or single parents resourced and seeing their, their children mentored? marginalized people finding an advocate and abused finding counselors and, and hurting people finding a place to heal. And I'm not talking about us being a church that gives handouts. I'm talking about being a group of people who give a hand up. We love God and love people in such a way that, that lives are tangibly different. When we do this, when we, we become that redemptive community, there will be skeptics who watch. And though they don't believe in our God, they'll have to wrestle with the fact that our belief is, is having tangible change and results around us. And there will be scoffers who scoff at our, our faith, but they must admit that our love in action is like something they've never seen before. So we pray. And we work to see a transformed community because of what God does through us. Big paradigm shifts for 2020. 
another big shift for 2020 I want us to talk about is how we perceive church. You see, I believe in 2020 we must move from being a church of me to a church of we. Now typically, and I'm guilty of this when I go to another church and visit, and maybe you are as well. When I go into church, I go in with my list of things that I want to experience. It's about me. Now me says, I like this type of music. Me says, I like when this person preaches better. Me says, I like when we end this way. Me says, I like when they offer this program. Sundays are best for me when, and fill in the blank. And, and as long as we show up with, with a me to church, I will be the consumer of warm fuzzies and a spiritual fix. And I, sometimes I'll, I'll get my warm fuzzies, and sometimes I'll leave church and shrug and go, well, it could have been better if only... See, me waits on the sidelines of, of serving and reaps the benefits of others serving for us. Me waits on the sidelines of giving and lets others fund the vision. Me waits on the sidelines of life change and instead just looks for a Sunday day changer, a good fix, a pick-me-up. And if the orchard is going to rise into the destiny and calling that God has for us, we must make this transition from, from me in this room to we. A church is a force when it finally becomes more interested in being the church than going to church. And that shift is huge. At some point, our paradigm will change. And, and when it does, we won't show up and say, what can I get today? We'll show up and say, what can I give? And who can we become? Now, why is this important? Because God didn't plant and grow the orchard so that a bunch of me's could get our warm fuzzies and spiritual fixes. God planted and, and watered the orchard to be a light in the midst of the darkness of this region. God planted the orchard to be a beacon of hope when life gets dim. God grew the orchard to provide help for those in time of need. God wants the orchard to be here so that all people of all types of all backgrounds can come and encounter the God who calls them to salvation and redemption. God positioned the orchard not to, so people could come and be comfortable in our nice facility, but so that we could leave our nice facility and take the truth to places it's uncomfortable. God called the orchard not to, to be a place to attend, but that we would be a people who carry the answers of life and eternal life with us wherever we go, and the kingdom of God would be at hand wherever an orchard person steps. I will amen myself all morning if I have to. God wants marriages to be different because of the orchard. He wants children to be raised differently because of the orchard. He wants impoverished to be resourced and, and injustice to be righted. He's calling us to move in some new ways. He wants the unlovable to find love in a place like this, in a community like ours. Now make no mistake, you might have thought you were just coming to, to church, but in fact, God has called and positioned the orchard to be the church, to be a redemptive community of people, transformed to go forth and bring his light. And one of the, the marks of, of moving from me to we is that we become generous with our tithes and our gifts. You know, my, my um, mentor once told me, he said, until people surrender their money, they haven't fully surrendered their heart. And I know what some of you are thinking, here we go, here's the pitch. I'm not afraid to talk about money. But I'm also not just excited to talk about money. But it's, it's part of the thing we need to deal with. 
You know, Jesus told us, he said, wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Reminds me of a, a story about a pastor who was going to baptize a gentleman, and, and he was up there in front of the church, and he, he whispered, he said, now whatever goes down in the water belongs to God. And the gentleman's eyes got big. He reached in his pocket and grabbed his wallet and held it close. And the preacher thought, wow, this man is dedicated. He wants to make sure that his wallet gets the, the full baptism and belongs to Jesus. And as the pastor descended him into the water, the man held his wallet up out of the water. Whoa, that was a close one. Wherever your treasure is, your heart will be also. And you know what? The one thing I'm committed to, to being is, is honest about our finances. I don't want there to be ambiguity about where we stand. And so I've told you this before. It's not my favorite news to deliver, but, but we have a building debt of about $600,000. And I don't say that to dismay us. I say that because that's what we're working to pay off. I am, I am dedicated and working to pay it off, as are the elders. And we have some incredibly generous people here who who know it's a game changer when this, this debt is gone, that the orchard will move out into the community and show what loving God and loving people looks like in a whole new way, coming alongside of nonprofits, helping those in need, intentionally targeting some specific areas in the community that would just tangibly change lives, supporting local and international moves of God, and we, we pay off the debt. The orchard moves in a whole new paradigm of being able to support this community in a way that most nonprofits never get the opportunity to do. And I've been talking with some people about this. Some people who God has resourced in amazing ways. And I, I, asked, I asked some audacious questions. And he says, well, let's, let's start small. He said, I want to do a, a matching campaign of $20,000 in January. You, you raise $20,000 above tithe and offerings for building, and I will just write a check and match it immediately. And so... And so I, I was going to stand up here this morning and challenge you that, hey, hey, we got this new matching campaign. It's a great way just to, to, for us to work on the debt. Um, and I, there's only one problem. There's only one problem is I told the staff and elders and leadership, and before the week was over, we were way past that number. Uh, the people in leadership who, who passionately believe that God is going to move in this place um, felt God calling them. And so the challenge is already completed. But I want you to know that, that, that as a leadership, we are committed to seeing the orchard move. We're not, we're not just saying this. We are living and believing this. And I, want, I say this to you because I want you to know not only do we believe it and live it, but that there's going to be some opportunities in the future. And I want you to begin, to begin to pray about what your part may be in this. And as a pastor, this is really easy for me because I'm not asking you for your money. Hear that from me. I'm not going to ask you for your money. But I'm going to ask you to ask God how much he would have or what he would have you do. And I trust him implicitly. And I will leave it there. But God is going to do some things. Remember the study of Nehemiah this summer? We talked about all the families that came together and, and they trusted God in such a way and they gave of their own gifts and, and they completed their project in a record time. I want us to be that people who are all in and buy in and we see God do something amazing. And, and when this debt is paid off, we're going to throw a party unlike any church in history will throw. I mean, it's going to be epic. They'll write songs about it. The bards will play down at the, the local watering hole, you know? Do we still have bards? We should have bards. And, and then we're going to get busy doing some good in this region on a scale that few have had the chance to do. And so just know as we, as we go toward 2020, one of my prayers is that God's going to do a miraculous, amazing things to release us from that. Amen.
We're going to truly be able to put some intentional force behind loving God and loving people. And loving God and loving people, that's our vision, right? It's a great vision. I mean, I see you guys around town with the t-shirt on, love God, love people. But for one minute, I just want to pause and, and at the beginning of 2020, refocus on what that comes from. It's not just a, a platitude. It's not just a motto. It, it comes from something. It comes from an ancient prayer that Jesus would have been raised praying every morning and every night. It's a very special prayer, a prayer our family prays. Turn with me in uh, Mark chapter 12. Verse 30, I'm going to read you what Jesus says here. He was asked which, uh, which of these commandments is the most important. He says this, he says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. And the second is this, love others as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love others as yourself. Love God and love people. That's our DNA. But when we break down this prayer here, it says love God with all your heart. That means your affections, that you would love God above your family, above your job, above your very life. Do we love God with our affections in such a way? Love God with all your mind. That, 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 that we stop playing tapes of, of revenge and lust and anger and anxiety. Instead, we renew our mind and focus on Him. Love God with our soul, that our deepest ambitions and hopes are that God would move in us and through us. Love God with all your strength. We realize that every single resource in our life, all the strength our life can bring to bear, our personality, our gifts, our talents, our resources, our money, our energy, our time, our strength, it's all God's. It's all from Him and it's all for Him. You see, it's easy to say love God. It's easy to wear the t-shirt. But to love God with our, our whole heart, soul, mind, and strength takes a whole new level of commitment and devotion. And I just want to say something. You don't coast into loving God this way. You, you don't arrive at loving God this way with a Sunday morning faith. In Orchard, we're going to have to change some of the ways that, that we personally engage with God to authentically love God and love people. And that leads me to, to 2020. Our words for 2019 were clarity and launch. And I had this next part all planned. And at 2.30 in the morning, God awoke me. I did not want to get up. I had been told if you have a concussion, you should get lots of sleep. And 2.30 didn't sound like a good idea. But God was clear. I went down to my living room. Started praying. And God in his kindness spoke to me. And I had to change where we're headed for 2020. Made it very clear that it's not clarity and launch that was last year. 2020 will be bold decisions and deeper roots. That where there was clarity, there will now be bold decisions of faith. And with where we have launched, we will now put down deeper roots. Let's unpack this. You know, oftentimes, we are, we are so tempted to focus on the fruit of our lives. It's the easiest thing to see, is the fruit of somebody's life. To be more loving and kind and forgiving. Those are great things. Those are sweet fruits that we should be producing for others to benefit. In fact, the Bible has a list of, of fruits of the a life of someone who follows Jesus. It says in Galatians 5, The fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There's no law against these. If we're to be the people of revival, 
and the awakening that God needs. The fruit of our lives needs to be sweet and ripe and plentiful. But we can't just hope for good fruit to grow out of our lives. We can't just come here on a Sunday and get excited and leave and just uh, straight out an apple of goodness. We don't go and sit around our house and just force out some patience for our family. You see, good fruit, you don't put your energy into the flavor and taste and look. For good fruit, you put your energy into good roots. You see, good fruit comes from good roots. Elijah and I have been reading through Luke, and we're at this very place this week, reading through Luke 6. And this is what Jesus says about this. He says, no good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its fruit. You're recognized in your life by people around you by the fruit of your life. I mean, can a greedy root provide generous fruit? No. Can an insecure root provide a bold faith fruit? Can a selfish root um, provide for those around them a selfless love that God wants to give? No. Romans eleven sixteen puts it this way. If the root is holy, so are the branches. If the roots are holy, what kind of fruit will they produce? From the deepest core of a person where they are rooted, their life will produce that fruit. If my soul is planted and rooted in Jesus, my, my, my life will produce a, a crop of fruit for people. That's good. But if my, if my heart is planted and rooted in my own desire, my, my selfish ambition, my fruit will reveal that. And in 2020, if we're going to grow as, as a church body, as a people of revival, as a, a community of redemption, it's not our fruits we need to pour ourselves into, Orchard. Good fruit for the region will be the result, the ends. It's our deeper roots that we need to focus on this year. Good roots, good fruit. And a good root will grow good fruit effortlessly. Show me a man or a woman, and you probably know these people, who consistently give love and joy and peace and patience in good and in bad. And they're probably a person who's rooted and divinely resourced by God. And so in 2020, we're going to look to sink deeper roots down into Jesus and his way of living. Bold decisions and deeper roots. And one of the bold decisions that Amy and I have made, and we, and we recommit all the time. Coming into 2020, it was important that, that we, we commit to be all in here at the orchard. And I want to invite you to join us. Join us for the long haul. And I, I hesitate to put this in here, but I, I, I thought I might. You see, in my industry... Most times, a pastor will grow a church up successfully enough so that another bigger church will notice and call them up to the next league. It might happen in your industry, too. You know, you do well enough, and, and you get called up, or you get a promotion. But, but in pastor world, you, you, go, you get successful in one church, and the next church sees you, and, and you get to go to a larger area, to a larger church. You see, but I've, I've, I've had the privilege of being part of a church of 250 people that grew to over 10,000 legitimately. I, I've, I've got to be a part of it. I've seen behind the curtain. And I want you to know that I'm not looking to make the orchard part of any resume. Uh, Amy and I want to retire here. I want you to watch my kids grow. I want to watch your kids and your grandkids grow. We are all in at what God is doing here. Not because we just like you so much, but which we do. Because God has put a deep sense of call to this place in this post. And I want to 
I want to invite you to join us here, to be all in on what God is doing this year, next year, this decade. I mean, we're going to cry tears of celebration as we see God do amazing things in our midst. And we're going we're to cry tears of sadness as we pass through some hard times together. But we're all in. I believe God has a special calling for us as a church. And I'm calling those of you to join us. In fact, there, this might be your first Sunday here. And I'm not going to apologize. I hope God's speaking to you right now. And you're like, well, this is going to be my church forever. I, I hope on your first week you just settle that. I'm praying so. That's why deeper roots is, is so important. You see, this is, a, this is a place of calling for me. And when I get to heaven, God's not going to ask me, God's not going to ask me, Daniel, how big did the orchard get? You see, Jesus left the earth and he gave us some instructions. He gave us some final parting words. You have to imagine him there. The disciples are on a hillside. They've met the resurrected Jesus. He's revealed himself over and over and they were told to go there and wait. And all of a sudden there is Jesus in their midst. And before he ascends into heaven, not to return until the second coming, he gives them some final instructions. And these instructions aren't just for them. They're down through time to everyone who follows Jesus. These are his final words in Matthew 28. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, therefore, because all authority is mine, because all authority in heaven and earth is mine, therefore, you go, I'm commissioning you, you go. And you make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded. And surely I'm with you always to the end of the age. You go. You make disciples. A disciple is a person who follows Jesus and becomes more like him. Jesus' final words to his disciples and to us are to go and speak and act and love so that others follow me and become more like me. And so when I get to heaven, he's not going to say, hey, did you guys have fun? Did you guys get, did you pay off the debt? He's going to say, because of your ministry, did people follow me and did they become more like me? And I want you to know, when you get to heaven, he's not going to say, hey, how, how did your business go? How much did you save? He's going to say, did you live a life so that people followed me and became more like me because of the way you loved and spoke and acted? This is real stuff. And I want the orchard to step into this so that we can say we are becoming more like Jesus. And we are leading people to become more like Jesus. Which is why we need bold decisions this year. Which is why we need deeper roots. In this coming year, we are going to become more like Jesus. In this coming year, we're going to lead other people to follow Jesus. In 2020, people around us individually and as a group are going to come to know Jesus because of how we live and love. You see, we need to be more like Jesus, church. Not just as a group, but as individuals as well. And to do this, we're going to make some bold decisions to follow and put down some deep roots in the faith in Jesus. So this 2020, consider what it would mean to grow your faith deeper. There's different ways we're going to do this. And I'm going to go through just a couple of ways that I think the orchard's going to move in, the tw in 2020. You know, Sunday mornings is important. And I want us to make a commitment, commitment together, not to show up and just, just for me to get my fix, but to show up for the, for the we. 
to come and serve so that somebody else can sit in here without their child for an hour, to go, to go and lead something, to go, to go make this place that others love to be a part of. Man, at Christmas Eve, there were so many of us serving. There were just lines of people welcoming to be the kind of church that people walk in and go, wow, I want to be a part of this community. The other thing is growth groups. Make it a commitment to join a growth group. Be a part of a, sh- a small group and share your life together. You know, this is the way that Jesus grew his disciples. He met in a small group in a circle and shared life together. So open your home, open your heart, open your story and be known and know others. We like to say it over and over that the orchard, as we grow in size, let's not be known as a church of rows. Let's be known as a church of circles that in living rooms we are knowing each other, sharing our stories. A church of circles, not rows. The next one, number three, one of the greatest ways to deafen your roots is your personal time with God. And this is going to take some wisdom on your part and some grit and some bold decisions. Because you know your schedule, you know your patterns. How am I going to fit some time with God? I don't want to get waking up, awakened at 2.30 in the morning. Doesn't sound like a good daily routine for me. I get it. For me, it was just turning off the radio on the way to work. And instead, talking out loud to God. And yes, people will think you're crazy. But you're already driving to Aspen to install a $16 million commode. I mean, we're already living in crazy. Might as well talk to God, right, on the way. Like, learn to converse with God out loud. Just begin. Learn to talk and listen. Or mix in a podcast. They have these things called podcasts of other sermons by much less talented preachers. And I would love, <laughs> I would love to give you, a, if you're interested, email me. I'll send you the list that I, guys I, and girls I love to listen to. We're at a point in history, we have so much information at our disposal. We, we get to, we, it just bombards us. But the secret of the game is you get to choose what gets access to your head and your heart. You get to choose. So make some bold decisions. During this time, this is what I allow into my head and heart. The next one to engage and transform your 2020 is to engage in God's word. And, and this is a big one. You see, we want to learn how to find God's nature in the Bible. And as a church, we're working on some different ways to do this. And here's why it's so important. You know, there's a lot of voices that speak to us every day. Your own, your mother's nagging voice telling you to wash your hands, your, your spouse, your kids, the political talking heads, they're all up in there telling you stuff all the time. But hear me on this. The most important voice in your life is not your spouse or your parent. The most important vo- voice in your life is not even your own. The most important voice in your life is God's. And at 2.30 this morning, when I, when I, when I sat down there and, and, and he began to speak to me, there is nothing like hearing the voice of God Almighty. There is no game changer greater than that. And Orchard, hear me on this. This Bible is not a book. It's a voice. It's a voice that declares the nature of God. It's a voice calling you to live by a new pattern, not any longer by the world's pattern. It's a a voice that gives you divine wisdom for your business, for your relationship, for your pattern of living. It's a voice that calls you to forgive others, and even more importantly, to to forgive yourself. This, This is a voice that declares Jesus. God's nature. 
And we're working with a team of people to help us dig and find out how to dig deep down into God's word and provide ways where we can all engage in this in a new way. Because we have people, I talk to people who say, I've never read the Bible in my life. I've never read anything. To those who've said, I've read it over and over. And we all need to put down deeper roots. One thing me and my inner circle are doing is we're reading through the Bible together on, the, on a Bible app called YouVersion. You can search that up in version. If you, it has all kinds of reading plans, and you can do it with any number of people. You can type in a topic, and it will give you a reading plan for one day, one week, one month, or one year. And you can engage God's word on, that, on those topics. But let's devote ourselves to, to finding new ways to hear God's voice. It speaks revelation through his word. I'm going to save some of this for another time. This year, bold decisions, deeper roots. That by the, this time next year, our faith would not be the same. Our understanding of God's nature, the way that God's moved through us. By this time next year, do you know who might be sitting next to you who's come to Christ? One of your friends, one of your coworkers? You don't know what God's going to do in our midst. And there's some things that are going to open up and go on this year. And, and we're going to start a women's ministry and men's ministry and young adult ministry. And we have some small leadership teams. But, but if you think, hey, I want to be a part of that, right now is the time to get on the ground floor of these. We, we need your talents and ideas and gifts. If you have a desire to be a part of it, I had somebody just this morning say, hey, I want to be a part of that children's ministry. What do I do? And I said, fill out the response on your bulletin and just write what you want us to know. Call me about children's ministry. Men's ministry, whatever it would be, check growth groups. Let, let's make a bold decision today. In fact, in 2020, let's just start with bold decisions. Because some of y'all need Jesus this year. Some of us need to receive Jesus. And some of us have been putting off baptism for decades. And it's time for bold decisions this year. I'm going to leave you with one last thing that God, I can barely get through this without crying. Um, and the reason is because... Um, when God speaks to me, when I hear, when I hear God's voice, and it's such, a, it's such a tender thing, and it, it changes everything. It changed my entire sermon this morning. And God, God told me, he said, he goes, I want, you to tell them one, I want you to tell them something. And so maybe you don't have a direction for your year. And maybe you need to write this down and write it on your mirror and write it on your dashboard and put sticky notes around. Maybe this is for you, but God said, I want you to tell them this. Jeremiah 29, 13. He said, Orchard, you will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all of your heart. I will be found by you. Orchard, you have a God who wants to be found, who's waiting. Jeremiah 29, 13. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. I will be found by you. May this year, may we see miracles happen. May we see salvations and baptisms, redemptions and marriages reconciled. Prodigals come home. Addictions gone. I, I, I want to see what happens. I'm going to see what happens in the orchard. I'm going to see what happens in this book happen in this church. Will you pray with me? Will you stand right now and pray with me? If you're with me in this, just place your hand over your heart and pray for me. Jesus, I want to make bold decisions. I want deeper faith this year. 
I want to seek you and find you. My heart is yours. Amen. Orchard, as we move into communion, you can stay standing. And as you come and take the elements of symbols of Jesus' sacrifice and you sit down, thank him for 2019. Some of your lives radically transformed in 2019. And you haven't seen nothing yet. Praise God, because he's got good things ahead for us. Amen? Let's worship.